0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 246 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show by Land or Sea. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible.
2: Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn, the geek, live from the stable. It's every week. They're bringing bring you the news through hail, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for
1: stable school, stable school, stable school. Scoop. I'm Glenn the Geek. And I'm Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network.
0: So I just, Helena, just had something very funny happen. Uh-oh. Uh, but absolutely terrifying, apparently, for my greyhound dog, Glory. Oh. So I was doing some research uh, on on applications that involve horses for next week's show, because that's I, I thought we could do something fun next week, like, talk about all these weird apps that are coming out that involve horses. And I downloaded one called Talking Donkey. Well, Uh-oh. <laughs> paid 99 cents for this baby.
1: <laughs> Only you. <laughs> and I
0: downloaded it because it looked like fun. And now you got to know that about two farms up from where we live, which is probably two or three football fields, there are two donkeys that go into a braying fit about twice a day. I don't know what causes it. I don't know why they start. I don't know why they do it. But they just go into this braying fit. And you know donkeys, when they're braying at the top of their lungs, uh, is an interesting sort of terrifying sound.
1: <laughs> it's kind of like me singing in the shower.
0: <laughs> yes, it would be about the same thing. Thanks.
1: So- no, that one, no. <laughs> so you're so fresh you said it (laughs) i was trying to be funny not serious and i
0: agreed um no, I've never heard you sing in the shower, so I can't really tell. It'd be like me singing in the shower, too. It'd be like me singing anytime. So I thought, well, oh, I'll just do this, and it has the picture. You know, I open up the app and it has the picture of the little donkey, and he's all dancing around. And I thought, well, what's it do? So I touched him, and this this very horrifying bray comes out of the iPod. And I didn't I didn't have my earbuds in. So as soon as I did that, my dog leapt into the air and ran to the window and then i thought wow i can't believe she had that kind of reaction she never has that kind of reaction to anything so i hit it again and she went ballistic she freaked out she ran across the house she was going from door to window yeah we figured out this brang that this thing is doing sounds sort of like a puppy whining
3: and oh. she had had
0: puppies at one point. It sounded like it sounds like a puppy in distress, is what it sounds like. Um, which, you know, sort yeah. also, so, also it does sort of sound like a donkey brain, but it also sounds like a puppy in distress. And I think that that's what it was. And she still is on edge right now. And that was 20 minutes ago. So I was going to play it for you. I'm not going to be able to do that. <laughs> I can't
1: play why? Because she'll. Why? Oh, she'll
0: freak out. She's just calmed down. Aww. so if poor you want to hear glory. it it's talking donkey and you can find it in the app store
1: that's <laughs> so. greyhound abuse
0: i know that's why i'm not gonna play it again i was gonna play it for you on the air but i can't <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor glory. torturing my dog <laughs> so anyway that was uh one of the apps i checked out we'll talk about some more next week <laughs> i i feel gypped because now i bought the 99 cent app and i can't play it
1: <laughs> 99 cents. You're the only one I know who'd feel gypped over losing 99 cents. Really? Yeah, but I'll
0: tell you what. You buy enough apps for 99 cents, it adds up.
1: I have not bought a single app. Really? Since I got my smartphone. No? Yep. Nope. And you know what's funny is, I'm, you know me, I'm like such a techno freak. Um, I have a hard time. Well, it has to be something. You know what it is? I just haven't actually gone through the gazillion Apps that are available. I What's what you, is the need? Do you have like, an
0: Android or do you have an iPhone? I have a Droid, yeah. Droid has a lot more free apps, iPhone has a lot more paid apps, actually. Um, but there, you know, the cool thing is, you know, I probably have about 30 apps downloaded now, and I, I have nothing compared to some people.
1: Well, what do they do? Like, they, to me, an well, app is like, it has to solve a problem. It has to do something for you. There's a lot of junk. So well, it's like well, cluttering a lot up your of phone. Junk.
0: But I do have, you know, like I have ones. We go to Disney a lot. So I have the Disney Weight Lines app. Uh, so you can pull it up and see how long the lines are to different attractions while you're there. I've got weather okay. apps and news apps. And,
1: uh, well, okay, so why yeah. do you need a weather app, exactly?
0: Because, you know, this way I don't have to go into the browser. I can just hit the app, and I instantly have it right there.
1: Yeah, well, I have that, too, but it's free on my phone.
0: Well, yeah, mine's free, too. I didn't pay for that. Um, most of these I haven't paid for. But I do have a couple of podcasting apps, and I got Fandango in there. So if I want to look up what movies are local, I can just hit Fandango. And
1: All right. Well, that's, that's good. Like, I have, um, I have one. It's called uh, – it's a time logger. So I log my billable hours with it.
0: Oh, you can and, do it right on the app? Does Can yep. you print out a bill then
1: from it? Yep. You can, I can sync it up to my, my um, desktop.
0: I will tell you, uh, if you're ever wanting to record, now that you have a smartphone, if you ever want to record an interview when you're out in the road, yeah, um, there's an app called the Easy Voice Recorder Pro, oh. and it works really, really well. There's a voice recorder built into your phone yeah, uh, where you could record, but this one just, it seems to work better, um, and I've used that for many interviews now out and about.
1: How's the sound quality? Great. Terrific.
0: You just hold Can it you- between the two of you, and you don't have to move back and forth. Oh. Uh, it really works better than most mics I have.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> and,
0: and, you know, Samantha over at the Eventing Radio Show records all <laughs> our interviews on her iPhone.
1: So why don't we do this? Send me a link, will you?
0: I'll send you a link. I, I'll send you That link.
1: might be my first paid app.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much this one costs. I don't even remember. Um, and there's a free version of it, too, so you wouldn't even necessarily need to do the, the uh, paid version. Hmm. I right. did the paid version because I really wanted to try it out, but yeah. I don't know that you would have to. Okay. But it's really cool. It really works well. well there yeah so learn something every day and next week we're going to go over a whole bunch of these really strange uh apps that have come out for horse people
1: so like donkey's brain like that's really necessary (laughs)
0: let me tell you it's (laughs) good i was going to set it as my ringtone because you can do that too but i don't think i'm going to be doing that now (laughs) no (laughs) If the poor dog have a heart attack (laughs) we have a lot of guests lined up today uh, first, we're starting off with our monthly segment on uh, from Elite Equestrian Magazine. We have Karen Burke, who's an equine reproduction specialist here in Ocala, Florida. She wrote an article for them, so she's the guest this month. And then we have one of uh, one of our favorite guests, Anna Twinney. Her One of her students out there in Colorado is going to join us. Her name is Michelle, I think it's Dimock. Uh, Dimock or Dimock? We'll find out. And she, as best I can tell, collects horses. Um, she calls herself an equine eccentric and horse lover. I, mm. You know, couldn't we all call ourselves eccentric, though, equine eccentrics?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think we all Oh, can. for sure. I don't even need equine in front of it. <laughs> we I all mean, that, that, title. that certainly amplifies it, but, you know.
0: <sighs> so she's going to be on talking about uh, her adoption of a bunch of uh, Mustangs So that she, and working to find homes for them. And then we have Linda Saucer on with her new book. She's been on before. She writes books about a girl who works at racetracks called Nikki Luttrell, who's always getting into trouble. And <laughs> uh, her latest book is called The Seahorse Trade. So we're going to talk to her as well. Lots of guests lined up to, for today. Excellent. Well, let's get started with our first guest of the day. Her name is Karen Burke. She's an equine, works for Equine Reproduction Services in Ocala. Well, hi, Karen, and welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. Good morning. We appreciate you joining us for this elite equestrian segment today. Now, tell us a little bit about what you do before we get into the uh, the topic of conversation today.
4: Okay. Well, I'm the founder and owner of Equine Reproduction Services and Stallion Station uh, in Ocala, Florida. Uh, I've been working with reproduction for nearly 20 years now and specializing in uh, the cryogenic aspect of freezing semen and uh, shipping both nationally and abroad.
0: Okay, cool. Well, now now we have you on uh, for the Elite Equestrian segment because you did an article for them that uh, I think is very interesting. Can you tell us about it?
4: Uh, yes. Um, this is a... Uh, A news-breaking item, I was approached about three years ago by Dr. Lee of the Republic of South Korea, and they have nationally and privately uh, are expanding on their riding horse program. At the time, they had about 25,000 horses in South Korea, and they wanted to double it. They also wanted to start breeding their own horses and have uh, their own national breed, mostly for sport horses, those hunters, jumpers, three-day event, and dressage, but also competitive driving and a number of other Prospects instead of having to go to Europe and uh, the United States to purchase horses for their competing uh, Olympic teams, etc.
0: Boy, i tell you what, that's not a lot of horses for a country. When you think about it, Helena, Rhode Island probably has that number of horses.
4: <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, actually. Just, just about, and they're very, very specific on what they want and the quality. They'd already started an incredible thoroughbred program, which has really jump-started uh, the uh, thoroughbred industry, at least here in Alcala, with uh, the number of sales that they Uh, Have each year, and although I'm not involved with the thoroughbred sales, the influx uh, of the money and the interest has done wonders here for the Ocala sales.
0: Well, and partly, too, uh, you know, South Korea right now has some serious dollars coming in. Samsung comes to mind as one of the companies out of uh, South Korea who is doing very, very well and the leader now in the smartphone world. So they have, a, they have a big, big, big tech industry, and there's a lot of money coming into that country right now. And it sounds like they really want to improve, improve their teams and their Olympic outlook as well, uh, as well as just being a player on the world stage horse-wise. Is that what it sounds like?
4: Absolutely, and they want the pride of being able to say homegrown. So these stallions that I'm providing for them, and I'm proud to say that I have the exclusive rights to uh, this in- entire situation with the sport horses uh, for the United States. Um, so I'm finding the best possible candidates for foundation stallions and shipping uh, them, the semen, uh, to Cross on their mares. Most of their mares were purchased in Europe. A lot of Hanoverians, Holsteins, that kind. But interestingly enough, one of the breeds that they wanted was Clydesdales. And really? I provided Clydesdale stallions uh, from a wonderful place right here in Alcala, Florida, Briar Farm, Lassie Tompkins. And they intend to cross these on uh, Hanoverian mares in particular for competitive driving horses. Which Those are going to be some
0: Olympic. big, solid horses. Holy smokes.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, Dr. Lee has a plan. Um, he is a private individual who is funding this, but it is with the consent and looking on of the government. Uh, it, it's basically a national project. Um, they, uh, the Korean Authority sent over two veterinarians uh, to inspect my facility and discuss everything here. And we had meetings with the USDA and the NCIE, and this is quite groundbreaking because even the USDA had no official trade agreement of this sort of agriculture with South Korea. So um, I'm glad you made that distinction. First, yes, I keep having to do that. Uh, Good. But they are, we had to start from scratch, and it took nearly a year just for that to come together. And they actually have the most stringent rules of any country in the world. A lot of people think that shipping to the European Union or Australia New Zealand is difficult. This is even more so. They're very, very stringent in the picking of the stallions. And um, we are actually right now currently in our second project. The first one was successful. It arrived there late in 2011. And we're now starting our second phase and have brought in two incredible stallions for this so we're
0: excited. Well I'm glad to see that they're being they're being uh, particular about it too. And rather than, you know, as some countries have done in the past where we just throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. Um right. you know, the the shotgun approach as opposed to the rifle approach here. And you know, the rifle approach gives us a lot less unwanted horses in the end. Yes, and
4: and they do understand that. They're they're very, very fussy about
0: this. And you know, they're in a. If you think about it, Helena, they're in kind of a unique situation in that they're almost starting from scratch, so they can they can really control the growth. They can control what happens. Uh, Whereas, you know, we're in a situation where you know it's just been out of control for so many years. But uh, are they looking at? one of the big things that's happening in Europe right now, and I, I know in Asia, is Western disciplines reigning and, and a couple, cutting, and, and two in particular that are getting very popular over there. Are they looking at quarter horses? Are they looking and getting in at any of the Western side?
4: Well, this is uh, a secondary aspect that we're looking at in the future. They have, uh, on our first shipment, They besides the Clydesdale and the Warmbloods, they also required a uh paint horse american paint horse association and an appaloosa and we were really blessed uh tim Zadema sent us colored by charlie who is one of the probably the leading sire in this country and so they have his semen and in part they're going to use it for the colored sport horses but they're also looking at um starting the western registries and I've already started looking into uh, starting a quarter horse registry in Korea. Uh, mm. The first person I spoke to was Mike Jennings, who is on the AQHA uh, International, the board of directors in yep. charge international. Yep. And he loves the idea. But this is a couple years down the road because they are very insistent on really, Saturating and finishing the first project while looking into the Quarter Horse and the Western breed.
0: Huh. Very interesting stuff. Something that we don't think about too often here in the United States, where where again, you know, we have all the horses we seem to want. Um, But you know, certain countries, that's a different different ball game. Well, how exciting for you to be dealing internationally like this now? Can what what what's your website?
4: Um uh, my website is wwwfrozen com.
0: Okay, and, of course, the, you know, your article is going to be in Elite Equestrian Magazine. Is it the next one, a, episode, or issue coming up?
4: Um, the next one, I believe, has another one of my articles in it. Okay. Uh, in that original one, there was the article on, uh, 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 on the Korean project, and I believe there's one uh, on an aspect of breeding uh, in this coming, this article, um uh, issue that has just come out.
0: Very good. And, of course, you can find that magazine at EliteEquestrian.us. Hop on over there, check it out, and subscribe today. Thank you, Karen, for joining us. Hey everybody. Glenn here. We just finished a terrific series on leg protection that was brought to you by the good folks over at Thinline Global. If you missed it, go to horsetipdaily.com and check out all four parts. They still have a fantastic coupon for Horse Radio Network listeners for 12% off your next order at thinlineglobal.com. Whether you buy their saddle pads, horse boots, or tack items, everything is 12% off with this coupon code. Just type radio in the coupon section at checkout at thinlineglobal.com. Well, now we're going to change gears a little bit and talk about the horses in the United States, away from South Korea and out to the West, where we find Michelle Dimock, who is who I came across, Helena, in Anna Twinty's newsletter. And she is one of Anna's students, and she's taken on a project that I think is just wonderful. Uh, but I also saw when I was reading the article about the menagerie of horses that she has living at her place, and that she also drives, which, of course, caught my attention because I'm a driver. <laughs> but uh, she calls herself an equine eccentric, which I think we could all call ourselves, and a horse lover. And let's welcome Michelle Dimick to the show of uh, uh, South Fork Ranch. Hey, hello, Michelle.
2: Hi there. Good morning.
0: It's good to have you on. So glad you could join us today. Now, (laughs) I was reading the article and the second sentence. It says, her dozen or so Mustangs joined by Belgians, Fjords, Icelandics, quarter horses, and, oh, by the way, she drives a team of Belgians.
2: So, I so, don't discriminate against no. any horse, large or small.
0: You're definitely not bigoted in any way.
2: I am not.
0: No. Now, I, the only thing I don't see on this list, you might be bigoted in one way. I don't see any like minis or mini donkeys.
2: I don't. No. It's true. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. So she is. Mm-hmm. She's.
2: But I don't discriminate against them. I just haven't. They haven't come my way. Okay. Yet. So you're
0: not anti little horse.
2: Oh no. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just check it.
0: <laughs> now, I gotta ask you, how did you end up acquiring all these different breeds of animals?
2: Oh gosh. I am um, good.
1: That is a good question. Glenn, you never her, ever her husband's you know, asking the same yeah. thing. You don't ask a horsewoman that question, they just arrive. Because they never they're, have an they're answer. They're there one day. Yeah. Well, you know, you start. Um,
2: uh, riding a particular discipline you know uh i've I've taken many dressage lessons, so you get horses that meet that um, that do well in the arena and then well, we expanded out into the beautiful mountains, Carter Mountain near Cody wyoming and um, I found the sure-footed little Icelandics, and the fjords were wonderful for that, you know. Uh, plus, it's kind of easy to get on and off, <laughs> a little bit on the shorter side. And started driving one of my fjords, Tucker, and I liked uh, single driving. But then I met somebody who did team driving and um, introduced me to the big guys. So, alas, I had a team of Belgians.
0: Now when you say team now a lot of times uh team refers to four.
2: Oh, well, a team of two.
0: Okay, so that's okay, a pair of uh Yeah, Belgian, yeah so, I do yeah. have
2: four, but um I think that um my Bonnie, my mare would probably um wipe out the the geldings. She's just kind of a dominant girl. Um <laughs> And where they
0: that big and dominant, you you their feet are huge and and causes big <laughs> problems. Yes.
2: Right. I I found it best just to keep them separate. So um, I got into driving, um, and not only have I done parades and uh, driven downtown Cody, but uh, every year we go on a uh, camping trip, and we cover about 30 miles over three days and camp, you know, set up our tents along the way, um, pack up our wagons. I have a couple of antique wagons um, one of them was built in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds and fully restored, so it's just a a really pretty, pretty thing. So
1: that sounds cool.
0: Oh, uh, Helena's coming out tomorrow, so okay.
1: get, get okay.
2: backed up. because
1: I'm bringing a pillow and a sleeping bag. <laughs> okay, which yeah, okay.
2: So anyway, I I uh, that's how I got into the big boys, and girls. So. Um,
0: Well, you know, I I think, you know, obviously I'm a driver, so and I love draft horses. I'm a Percheron guy, and so we we can't afford to have that many down here in Florida. You're paying a lot less for hay than we are right now. Um, Probably, but I grow my own hay. Yeah, see, you got that advantage up there in Cody, but I I don't want to get off of Cody there for a minute. You guys are right at the edge of Yellowstone, and Mm -hmm. I've never been to Cody, but it just sounds like one of the coolest, like, old-fashioned towns in America.
2: Right. It was um, for, founded by Buffalo Bill Cody, um, who, of course, had his Wild West show that traveled the United States but also was quite successful in Europe. So you can see in the layout of the town, the the main road is uh, very wide open so that parades and, you know, um, they could bring all the, the horses and all their, their uh um uh show people um through the main town um also um he had a ranch, the pahaska teepee, which is on right at the edge of um, the east entrance of of Yellowstone, where um they would take uh guess they would come in on the train and then they would take them by a uh open carriage uh, you know those mud wagons they would take them to Pasca, and they would stay there, and then they would go on into the park. So um, the town itself is very, you know, it's preserving that history. They have nightly (laughs) downtown shootout. It's kind of a a (laughs) skit thing. It's really cute. We've got nightly rodeos um, from June through the end of August. um, And And, and, and Helene and I could wear
0: our cowboy boots and our cowboy hats and still saunter into a bar.
2: You could, yeah, yeah we'd, I... we'd know you, but <laughs> we know the tourists, <laughs> I'm sorry to say, you kind of know the locals, you know the tourists, but it's, it's a lot of fun, we love the tourists, I mean, they, she just they support me the up. economy. just called me Totally <laughs> called you Alice. As What's long it? as you don't wear white shorts, you know, little cut-off <laughs> socks, you're probably good. So. <laughs> white shorts and cut-off socks. No, I'll
1: just show up in boots and bridges. you know, sure. I got it. <laughs>
2: good good for you it's fun you know it's a lot of fun it's a nice place to live people are really down to earth um they're the kind that you know they look at each other in the eye say hi how are you doing and and conversations are started all the time it's just a really nice place to live and um, my husband and i have been here almost 20 years
0: where were you before yeah i was just going to ask are you a local now or have you finally made made it over the local line after 20 years
2: no, well, I don't know. I'm kind of um, a, a married into per, uh, this whole culture. My husband's, I'm, I'm from, both my husband and I are from the East Coast, but his grandparents moved out here in the 1920s to start a guest ranch in Shell, Wyoming, which is about 90 miles to the east of us. Um, and um, then his you know, his mom was born out here, and then, well, she ended up um, with the husband being on the East, and I was on the East. So when I married into the family, we would come back to the home, homestead, you know, for vacations. And then about uh, 20 years ago, decided it would be nice to just live out here. So that's what ended up happening.
4: Hmm.
0: Well, let's get into the Mustangs. How did Mustangs come into your life?
2: That came in about four years ago. Um, Anna twenty um, from Reach Out to Horses had, uh, conducted a couple of clinics at my place, two, two years of clinics. And she was always talking about these Mustangs. And, um, I said, gee, Anna, you know, Cody has its own wild horse herd in the McCullough Peaks, which are very close to Cody. So, um, I wasn't interested in it. You know, she certainly was interested in it. So I ended up joining the board of Friends of a Legacy. And we are a a wild horse advocacy group, which is actually quite successful in working with the BLM to preserve the, um, the, the freedom of our 140 or so horses that live out, on the McCullough Peaks, which is about 110,000 acres. So I joined, I joined FULL and started to find out what it was all about. And I proposed to Anna, and she was certainly interested in holding her a first, reach out to the Untouched Horse Clinic, where I would foster, either adopt or foster <clears throat> um, some of these Mustangs, bring them to my ranch, uh, starting with about 10 of them, um, the first year, and uh, students would fly in, you know, to to, um, to uh, um, learn under her wonderful guidance. And in a week's time, we had the uh, the first touch, the first halter on the horses. Um, we started grooming, picking up the feet, doing some preliminary leading, and then um, from within a a small pen, and then gradually go out of the pen. And then at the very end, we had a graduation where they're going up and down the alleyways. Um, it was very exciting. So that, I was hooked. <laughs> I think an awful lot of other students of Anna were hooked because these clinics are usually um, filled um, very quickly.
1: So, so what would you the- say? What would you say is the most... Um, because you have so many Mustangs coming in, what would you say is the most prominent characteristic of an untrained Mustang when they first get to your farm? What do you notice right off the bat in pretty much every Mustang that arrives?
2: Well, their their level of awareness, I would guess, um, very much more than um, the, the domestics. You know, they um, also... Their communication—it's—it's it's at the pure form. Um, the, so that's the beauty of working with the mustangs because you really learn the language of equus. You learn their language, and uh, uh, you have to start very slowly. And in the clinics, we'll—you uh, will first. You'll just go in. You'll—you'll you'll just look at them and wait. <coughs> you see if you they'll acknowledge you even coming in you know maybe they'll look at you but maybe they won't maybe they've they're so um, either traumatized through the gathering process or they're just not wanting to have anything to do with a human they might bury their head and you know put their head down and um, and not even look at you and so you'll have to read each horse's individual so you'll have to go in and see where they are at that time so usually what happens is you know maybe you'll go in um, you try to get their attention they'll look at you and you'll leave and then they'll say wow that was pretty good you know um... this person um, i looked at them and immediately they they left and and the pressure is gone um, so then a student will go back in again, and maybe you'll stay a little longer or you'll you'll make a step towards them anyway it's a very quiet, gradual process, um, but you're always looking for them to uh, um, make an effort and then you make and then you reward and it doesn't you know sometimes you can in that first day you can touch them, but uh, sometimes it takes a, a number of days, and in fact, I have one mayor here. Her name is Mariah. She's not from the McCullough Peaks. She's from another um, herd management area in Wyoming. Um, it's now, what, nine months later. I have not been able to touch her yet. Um, she, something happened with her, and I don't know. Um, um, I suspect maybe she was roped or something. Something that's, that traumatized her enough that um, she's very suspicious of any kind of human um, action. So what I'm doing now with her, um, I have my book (laughs) and I sit there on my bucket (laughs) and I I give her some food and I basically read my book. And that's what I've, um, I've tried all sorts of things before this, uh, thinking, well, I'm in there, I'm raking the corral out, you know, I'm moving around her, but I just wasn't making any progress. So now I'm just, um, um, you know, have turned to just, being there with her, and having her approach me um, on her own terms. I'm not, I have no agenda. I just hopefully she'll come to me. And, you know, I'm hoping I'll, I'll be able to touch her in time. But
1: Patience. I think, Glenn, we need to do a show on patience because it really seems to be the holy grail yeah. <laughs> of, of training for any kind. I mean, particularly with Mustangs. So, yeah. like, I yeah. applaud you for. I love the image of you sitting on a bucket with a book because you really mm-hmm. you reached for a place in yourself. You know, you took a different angle of approach and you reach for a place in yourself that would allow you the patience necessary to break through to her. Right. Um, I just I think all that image is going to stick in my mind for a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Good it's for good you. One. It's a yeah. good
2: one. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in fact, that's um, I've done that many times. Um, it hasn't you know, with the other Mustangs that have come here. Um, And then some of them are curious, you know, they'll come up and they'll sniff you and um, sometimes you have to move away from them. (laughs) You know, they get, uh, some of them can be right on top of you. Uh, They're, they're all so different. It's just fascinating to me. Uh,
0: Now, one of the things that I was impressed with is uh, you got those first Mustangs in and they've all been adopted out, haven't they?
2: Well, I have to admit the first round, I adopted them all.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, I'm going to home- say something here. Yeah. You know, in, in, in Greyhound Rescue, we, yeah. when you foster a dog or a hound, and then yeah. you, you adopt end up adopting it, that's called a failure. you failed fostering. <laughs> so you failed it ten times.
2: <laughs> and I'm happy about it. <laughs> no, yeah, I know, I know. But I felt in love with them. What can I say? Um, and each one, uh, last year, um, you know, they, they have continued to be in the clinic. Um, that now uh, Anna will be coming this year again for the fourth time. And my Mustangs are part of that clinic each year. And in fact, two of them were ridden for the first time uh, last summer. It was, and I hope to continue their education again this summer. And to my credit, I have uh, one of my good friends, Elaine, adopted one of them, and uh, that mare now lives down in Casper, Wyoming. So um, there is hope for me (laughs) when I find a a really good bond between, you know, who comes and who's working with my horse, and if it looks like they're, you know, they will be able to further them and... uh, and treat them well, then I guess I don't have any problem. Because, uh,
0: you know, if you do 10 boxes. a year, you're going to have your own herd after <clears throat> a, a period of time.
2: Well, I, I hope not. <laughs> I, I'm a, you know, we have to <laughs> within reason. <laughs> I must say that this last, um, I, I just came home with four Mustangs after an adoption. There was an adoption on um, on Saturday. Um, uh, in January, 20 McCullough Peaks Mustangs were removed uh, because that was 20 over out the um, appropriate management level, the AML, that has been set for the Peaks. And the Peaks, it's about 140 horses that BLM says can um, you know, live on that range. So in, in January, they had a bait trap. Which is a whole lot better than a helicopter gather. It's Ugh. one that involves putting out hay, and then the horses come in. It's quiet. They come in into a pen, um, and then they are um, they are selected. The the ones um, to be removed are selected, and then they are they're um, put up for adoption. So on Saturday, BLM had a an adoption, and four of them came here. But they've been adopted by others, <laughs> other people. I'm just, uh, how, I'm just giving them a home until after the clinic, and then they go home. Well, well anyway.
0: we're running out of time here, but I, okay. did want to, I did want to say I want to give a plug out to uh, Anna and her program as well. You yeah. can find her at ReachOutToHorses.com. That's uh, over. She's in Colorado. But thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon. And good luck, uh, good luck with your crop. Thank you so much. Hi, all. Glenn the Geek here. And we are excited to bring you a special offer for Horse Radio Network listeners from one of my favorite companies, and that is Audible.com. Audible.com is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci fi, sports, and so much more. Audible titles play on your iPhone, your Kindle, your Android, or more than 500 different devices that you can listen anytime, anywhere. My wife and I love Audible books. We've been a member of Audible since 2004 and have listened to over 100 books uh, with Audible. What horse person, you know, who has time as a horse person to sit down and to read a book anymore? Yet, I found the time to listen to books on Audible. When I'm not listening to podcasts, while I'm riding, cleaning stalls, or at the gym, or driving, I'm listening to Audible books. And for the listeners of the Horse Radio Network, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com HRN. That's audibletrial.com slash HRN for Horse Radio Network. And you can download your free audiobook and get your 14 day free trial today. If you can't remember that, just check out our website and you'll find a link to it right there. Enjoy your book. We know you will. Well, next up, we do have our Tech and Habits segment. Well, this hack and habit segment is sponsored by Chasing a Fox. You can find them on Facebook at Chasing a Fox. Isn't that what I search for, Chasing a Fox? Yes, sir. Yes. And I noticed that you were posting things about the wardrobe of men. And I also noticed that, um, that you were kind enough to leave me out of there by not saying that uh, I dressed the exact opposite of all those good, well-dressed men.
1: You might want to just hold that. Yeah. <laughs> you, might, you want to hold your thanks. Just, you know, oh, we stack oh up. great. Oh, terrific. <laughs> just just, just do yeah. Good. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have let you have You're up. not getting <laughs> away. That's for the shower comment. That's for the singing in the shower comment. Yeah, there we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, our guest today to talk about her book. Sometimes we like to highlight books on the Tack and Habit segment. And she has been on the Horse Radio Network with us before because she has a whole series of these books. What? And her name is Saucer Hill. Good morning.
3: Good morning. It's nice to be back.
0: Well, it's good to have you back. You are just knocking these things out.
3: Well, not really. I've written three, and they've come out once a year. And there are authors now that are doing two books a year. I don't know how they can do it.
0: Wow, I think once a year is a lot, isn't it? Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) For those that missed it, tell us about Nikki Littrell and the mysteries that, uh, if they missed the first two, tell us about the first two a little bit, and then we'll talk about this one.
3: Well, the first two, uh, they're both horse racing murder mysteries, and Nikki Luttrell is my heroine. She's a 23-year-old female jockey who seems to be a bit of a trouble magnet at times, and we know first, girls like that. Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> I know one in my past. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> is that where the well, inspiration of the book came from? With such right? authority. <laughs>
3: yeah, really. Um, so the books take place at different racetracks. First one is at Laurel Park Racetrack in Maryland. The second moves to Colonial Downs in Virginia. And my newest book that just came out, and I'm very excited about it because I really believe it's my best, um, takes place at Gulfstream Park in South Florida at Hallandale Beach.
0: So basically, if we're ever going to the racetrack, we should check with you first and make sure Nikki is not there because you could well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Or if she is there, you might want to you know keep a wide berth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about this latest one. What happens in this one?
3: Well, the latest one is. now, wait a minute, before
0: we go any further, what's Nikki's position? What's she do?
3: She does two things. She is an exercise rider for her boss, uh, Jim Ravinsky, in the morning, as, as so many jockeys, you know, most jockeys do that. They do right. go to the track in the morning and exercise right. horses, but she has a full-time job because her career as a jockey has not been, you know, stellar. Um, so she that 's what she does, and she also has more and more um Jim is relying on her to help him with training. He ends up sending her to two different tracks where he can't be there right at the beginning, and she has to take on the duties of training as well so it's a it's a full plate to say the least
0: and this one uh this book actually gets a little international doesn't it
3: it does it's um it's called Seahorse Trade, and it actually deals with human trafficking um and the kind of darker side of, of of life, and it was interesting to weave a story about uh, horse racing and a and a really big mean horse named Diablo Valiente, which means bold devil, who is uh, very much a character in this story, and to weave that together with with the dark side of of uh, the illegal sex trade, uh, you, you know, of use of minors. So it's it's kind of a powerful story, and and I. I uh, I really enjoyed writing it.
1: Hmm. What made you decide on that particular topic for this mystery? It's a,
3: well, it's a hot topic. It's a hot-button topic, for one thing. And I, I tell you, I went to South Florida um, thinking about I would write write a novel at Gulfstream. And I stood on the beach at Houndale Beach Boulevard early one morning, and there was this cold wind coming in off the sea, and, and you could feel the spray. The water was icy. And I stared way out on the horizon, and I saw this huge... Container ship, and it was shrouded Mm. in mist, and it was like a a ghost out there. And it just, and I also visited um, Miami and Fort Lauderdale and saw those big cities with, you know, the glamour and the glitz and the money and the sex. And it just sort of all rolled together. And I thought, God, imagine being in a container on a container ship out on that roiling ocean, and these two cities, what perfect! safe harbors they are to spawn something like human trafficking. They've got, you've got your docks, you've got the money, you've got, you know, you just got everything there to to put it together. And it just, it all sort of came together. And I just thought, I've got to write this story. I've got to do
1: it. Yeah. Well, now your your image of the containers out in the ocean, really. Now I want to like open the book and dig it. And I did before, but now I want to even more. Like, I can't wait. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and this is yeah. this is kind of ironic too because you're talking about uh, you know a, a Colombian drug lord, and right. we we had the situation of the real life story of all of the uh, uh, the trainers and farm owners that were arrested that were related to the Mexican drug lord. Oh, I know. I um, know. They're they're just going to trial right now, actually. So yeah, uh, that
3: was a heck of a story, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. So it, you kind of have a parallel there.
1: Well, you know, it's the money. You know, people like to, horses are a way, it, they're, for some people, they're just a way to show off how much money they have, like fancy cars or boats, and oh, so. order to launder right? it.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah, order launder, launder it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's it's not a, a, it, a leap. Horses do
0: make a great way to launder money. All of us horse husbands have known <laughs> that for
1: years. Yes, we've all taken a bath,
2: have yeah. we not? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure, we've all taken a bath. <laughs> oh.
0: Well, where can people find your new book? It's called The Seahorse Trade.
3: It's on Amazon.com, and it's also available uh, in bookstores. You can get uh, the smaller independent bookstores. We'll bring it in because my publisher is small. It's not as easy to get as, say, a Lee Child, Jack Reacher novel, you know, one of these big popular ones that sell so well. But it is out there, and you can find it. It's easy to get off of Amazon.
0: And your other books are there, still there too?
3: Oh, yes, very much so. They're still selling, and, and this one's selling very well. I'm, I'm just thrilled.
0: Well, good and congratulations. They should. They're well, good thank books. Thank you. And you know, you uh, I, I, is there are you any negotiations for the TV rights yet?
3: <laughs> well, we hope. I have to tell you, the seahorse oh, trade because of...
0: Do you notice how she brushed right over that, Helena? It yeah, was... not, <laughs>
3: not. Well, there might be because the seahorse trade is is such a great story that would be so suitable for a movie. I mean, it really would be. There's a lot of action. And just oh, I see a TV series of, here. I see a TV series. About those ships out of, way out on the cold water, and, and, you know, how would you get back to shore? So there's a great story at the end of the, of the, uh, the ending of this book. People have told me it's one of the best they've ever read. So, okay. Um, we'll just see.
0: have to get it. All right. It's called The Seahorse Trade. Thank you, Saucer, for joining us. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you, Glenn. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, I can't wait to read this book. Her two, first two books, she gets better with each one she writes, too. And uh, I liked her first two. This one's going to be terrific. Um, and uh, you know, she, she, and timely. You know what we said. Uh, you know the coincidence with what's going on in real life.
1: Yeah. Yep. It's amazing yep. how I don't that know. happens it's, Sometimes I, she, um, yeah, she's. I mean, a good mystery is a good mystery, and and it's perfect timing for summer coming soon.
0: Yep. And you'll be on the beach soon, so you're going to need a book.
1: Good beach reading. I hope so.
0: <laughs> if it ever warms up up there. Yeah, I know.
1: I know. It feels like it's winter today. It's only like 54.
0: Oh, really? Ugh. Your ocean temperature is never going to get warm enough this summer.
1: <laughs> well, wait a minute. You know what? Where was I recently? Um, oh, I, I was uh, Well, I, I was in somewhere around the Mount Hope Bay here in Rhode Island, and there are already jellyfish in there. So it's warm enough for jellyfish.
0: Still sounds to too sign. cold for me.
1: <laughs> I know. Not that I want to be swimming in water with the jellyfish. We lived but...
0: up there. I don't think I got in the I... ocean, but one day in August.
1: I know. <laughs> oh, I know. It's not Florida, <laughs> but
0: you can uh, you can sit there and you can look at it.
1: Yeah. And hear it. <laughs> in my
0: parka. <laughs> That's right. With your little hand warmers. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. All right. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week uh with some more guests. Plus, I got uh we're gonna be talking about uh phone apps a little bit next week. We're gonna have a little fun with that.
1: Hopefully not ones that bray at you. I'm
0: going to I'm gonna make sure that the dog's in the other room so I can play this for you next week. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: I can't do it. She just got calmed down. So. Uh, be sure to f- check out all their other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Uh they this week on the Eventing Radio Show, they had a wrap up of Rolex. I don't know if you got to watch any of that, Helena, but it was terrific this year. So they're doing a wrap up of that. And over, over on the dressage radio show, recent Philip had a couple of terrific guests a um, top-name trainer from Germany they had on the air, plus the, the First Lady of Kentucky, uh, Jane Bashir, who's a horse horsewoman, uh, joined them. Uh, for, and I don't know how they got that interview. Reese, actually, I do know how they got that interview. Reese is her riding instructor. So uh, she, they got an interview with her on Kentucky Derby Week, which, you know, it's almost impossible to get the governor's wife on Kentucky Derby Week, but they right. did it. So you'll hear her, her on the Dressage Radio Show this week.
1: We would love to hear your feedback, so please send us an email. You can reach Glenn, America's horse husband, at glenn at horseradionetwork.com, or send me all your love and positive feedback. Yeah, nothing
0: negative to Helena.
1: Nothing negative to Helena, because I cry. We talked about my emotional emotional. (laughs) state in the last episode. Uh, You can send me an email at helena at horseradionetwork.com.
0: Well, that's it for this week, Helena.
1: That is it, but there will be more next week. And until then, happy scooping.